This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer. I think that the huge challenge for the rain is they have so much depth, uh, but they need like a core that's really working the best together. Um, and they need, I'm hoping they figure that out, you know, heading into the regular season. Did you know Channel 253 is member supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer Podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer Podcast brought to you by Search Associates. You heard that we have a new sponsor. Uh, Search Associates is the firm that Hope and I use to find our job here in Abu Dhabi. Uh, they help find, they help teachers find right placements for them overseas, and you'll hear more about them at the break, but I'm really excited to have them on board. Speaking of being excited, I'm actually more excited to talk to the person who I have the utmost respect for. Uh, she is the dean of the Northwest women's soccer scene, uh, a podcaster extraordinaire, a blogger, and somebody who keeps me informed about what's happening with women's soccer. And so for the second time, uh, Susie Rance, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. Excited to talk to you. I just want to just share what happened a moment ago. So for, so you're listening to this conversation we're having right now. We're having this the day after the Portland Thorns away match. Uh, Susie is wearing a Seattle Rain, sorry, Seattle Rain, no, Seattle Storm shirt. And it's funny because the very top of the shirt is like, has a point and I thought it was a timber shirt and I was freaking out because Susie moved to Portland a while ago and I was like no we're losing her but like it's a storm shirt we're good to go don't worry I will never convert to the dark side oh, thank god thank god <laughs> all right so Susie I, I want to have you on today to talk about OL Reign they're our hometown team um, I I've I've developed a passion for women's soccer and I want other folks to as well uh I, I find that oftentimes in conversation about women's soccer, there's like a evangelical, like we need to like, we need to convert people. But like at the same time, also, I think that it's important to treat sports seriously. And so I'm going to forego my usual, like you should really watch women's soccer, but you should really watch women's soccer. And I want to like get into the work. And so our, our, the season is underway. We're doing the challenge cup, which is basically a, like a within season tournament to open the season. So far, so good. Yep, exactly. All right. And so we're having this conversation today. Uh, the rain played against Portland uh, last evening. But what I want to do is I kind of want to set up what the regular season is going to look like for the team. And so I know there's a ton of movement in WSL and players are going everywhere. But if folks followed the team last year, who are some of the key departures and folks that left and uh, are no longer with the rain? Great question. I think um, the biggest overhaul um, and surprise for fans was on the goalkeeper side. Um, the rain in the offseason lost all of their goalkeepers, Michelle Betos and Casey Murphy, and now have four on the roster. So um, they went from zero to four. And um, so that was probably the, just the biggest departure and shock. They lost um, through some trades, a couple of other players, but I think the goalkeeper was the biggest question in the offseason. And um, they have different solutions. It's going to be almost a little bit of a piecemeal throughout, throughout the rest of the season on the goalkeeper side, but they um, right now are starting Karen Bardsley, who's has a decade of experience with England national team. Yeah. 
I, I wonder, there's the old saying in college football that if you have two quarterbacks, you actually don't have either have, have a quarterback. Um, so we're starting Barsley, but I wonder, is, is that a permanent situation? I know there's the keeper coming in from France. So is, do, do you think that's going to be the situation for the remainder of the season? Bardsley is only with the rain through June. It's a short-term uh-huh. loan. And the three other keepers that are signed right now are really young keepers that have a lot of promise and potential. So great experience for the rain to like see which of those really make a lot of progress this season. Um, any any three of those are goalkeepers that could start. It's not like they're um, that kind of a project, but um, what a great opportunity for them, you know, um, to get to train with Karen, get to train with Sarah Buhati, the France goalkeeper you mentioned, who um, has played for Lyon and just like has a, uh, probably a trophy case of um, championships that is bigger than my kitchen. So besides the keepers, who is the departure that you think is going to have the biggest impact or that fans might notice the most? Um, that's really, I mean, they didn't lose a ton from 2020. Um, I think they lost some key players in 2019 through trades. Mm-hmm. Um, Megan Oyster, Shea Groom, probably being the most noticeable ones who have really made an impact in Houston. Sorry, I'm like tearing up right I now. Know. <laughs> Oyster, Oyster, I, I've been to Oyster stand since the first time I saw her play. She was a guest on the show. Uh, she's just a, a dynamic player. And when we were playing against Houston, like, you could not attack. They kept trying to trying to play the ball in behind her, and like that wasn't happening. And I'm like, we've got to figure this out. So Oyster is definitely missed. Sorry, you were saying. Nope, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I think um, they've done a lot of over the last two to three years. The Rain have really done a lot of work to bring in young players that they think can be really impact players for the team for a long time, and that's been a project in the work. And you're seeing some of that. Like they're trying some of that right now in the Challenge Cup as like, you know, preseason, essentially um, heading into the regular season in mid-May. So um, it's a really I think it's a really good opportunity to give those those younger players a chance, see what they can do. All right. So how about arrivals? Who are some of the players who have come in for the season? Um, Yeah, lots of new faces. So um, I won't go through the laundry list, but uh, some of these are players they signed last year, but maybe we just didn't get to see them as much. Uh, Madison Hammond has been starting the first two games at center back this year. Mm. They um, signed her last year. She played a few games in the fall series, but we really didn't just get to see much of her. And she's super smooth on the ball and really has impressed me these first two games. Obviously didn't get the results that they wanted, but at center back, like she's, she's, I think really said solidified, like she should be a starter on the team. So that's really exciting. They signed um, Allie Watt, who is a forward that was drafted by the North Carolina Courage in 2020. But then in her, like, I think it was like maybe 20 minutes into her first game, she tore ACL, which is such a bummer. But she's one of those forwards that um, really can get in behind defenses and something that I think the rain need a lot of. And um, they signed a really exciting Brazilian midfielder, Angelina, who... Uh, I think she's 20. Um, and I think when they signed her, they thought a long-term investment, but she sort of showed in the preseason, like she's worth starting now and giving a shot. So she's um, seen some time with the rain for these first two games as well. Again, laundry list I could go through, but those are the three that I have stood out to me so far. 
No, for sure. I appreciate that. Like, honestly, this is, this is me doing homework and learning from you. So I appreciate it. Uh, the last time I did a rain centric episode, Vlatko was the coach. And for folks who are listening to the show and aren't like super attuned to this, welcome aboard. Uh, Vlatko is now the coach for the women's national team. And I have questions about that later on. I'll get to, uh, what is, so tell me your thoughts on the current coaching staff and, uh, what you view their philosophy to be. Yeah. So they signed, um, first of all, like, I think it's, I think Vlatko is probably one of the best coaches in the world. I agree. Um, so trying to replace him is incredibly difficult. <laughs> so I'll just start there. But they did sign um, Friedman Steedy, uh, um, who has had um, a range of experience and is most notable for um, coaching in France, Lyon and PSG, and had some real solid success there. Um, he's he's um, had so much support from the players and the conversations with them. In fact, um, a number of them said last year, you know, it was a really challenging year, pandemic, but also mm -hmm. a racial justice movement right as they started off their challenge cup and just a lot going out, out on outside of soccer. And the players really credited him for um, giving them a, a safe place where they felt like a, they could train and feel comfortable. They could have conversations as a team. So um, I thought that was really promising just to hear that from the players. Um, coming from France, though, just from a tactical perspective, um, they like to play a very possession-based style of play. Um, and in Europe, you know, move the ball really deliberately. Um, from what he said, um, they really want to have an attacking focus as well. And I think we've seen this with other coaches coming into the NWCL. It's hard. The NWCL is physical it moves so fast, so much faster than the play in Europe. So it's been an adjustment. I think you can see all of the components he's trying um, with the team. And it just, at this point, um, hasn't clicked yet, but it's a very long season. Yeah. Do you feel like he is making the adjustment to the league based on what you've seen in the first two matches? I haven't seen it yet this year. I'll say that, I think. I've seen it. He made some really smart adjustments at halftime against the dash. It didn't result mm -hmm. in a goal. It ended 0-0, but um, smart adjustments that meant that his creative players, um, Sofia Huerta, um, Shirley Cruz, who they signed last year, who's a Costa Rican midfielder who played for him in France, um, they just got more time on the ball and were able to create a lot more. Um, so I see, I've seen adjustments, but I haven't seen enough to convince me they're going to score a lot of goals this year. Um, sure. And I, we did really, though, um, start to see it click at the very end of the fall series in 2020, but only had, what, nine games, I think, total that year. Mm -hmm. So um, really hard to take a lot from that. I'll say if I don't start to see it in the regular season as that kicks off, I'll be concerned. I'm not right now. Okay. Can we talk about formations for a little bit? So what is his preferred formation? And do you think that is the right? Well, let's, ask, let's go with that first. Sure. What is his preferred formation? So far, it's been really a 4-2-3-1 or mm -hmm. sometimes a 4-3-3, just kind of depending on um, different circumstances. Um, you, like, I think Ali Long got injured in warmups before the Houston Dash game. And I think that's put a little bit of a, um, like a needed adjustment in the midfield uh, where they have sort of two players sitting a little bit deeper uh, to make up for losing a player like Ali Long is not great. 
Um, so they like to use their outside backs as width um, in a four two three one, and um, had had like mixed results with that. People might know. I'm gonna try to say it the right way because she's from um, Barcelona, Thalia, but most people call her Celia. Um, but she actually got a chance. She's a Reigns right back, and she got a chance to train with Leon on loan last fall. And has come back looking like a completely different, like just all around solid player. So trying to get her involved in the attack as a right back is really um, something that you'll see, I think, a lot throughout their season. Using the right backs for width, the forward sort of pinch in a little bit more and drop um, to allow the outside backs to have um, width and allow the midfield to sort of also spread out a little bit more um, so they're not so clogged in the midfield. So like that's at least what we're seeing so far in terms of a formation. And in those in those formations, I'm assuming that Balser is playing the number nine in both. She's played. Yes, she's primarily played the number nine. Um, you'll see the forwards three sort of rotate quite a bit throughout the match as well. So sometimes she sort of pulls out onto the wing, but um, played the number nine so far in the first two games. Is anybody pushing her for that position? Is there like is she facing competition, or is she, or is that pretty well established for her? Yeah, it's um, it's a good question. There's two players who have the potential to play there, but have can also play on the wing, and that's where they've um, been so far. Leah Pruitt is a forward that they signed last year. Um, she she like super direct in her play, really mm-hmm. powerful, aggressive shooter. So that's someone you would really like to have in the number nine role. But she's been playing on the wing, which is great because she's able to disrupt disrupt there. Um, and we saw that a little bit in Houston. And the, per- the other player I forgot to mention in terms of offseason signings is Ciara King, who um, played for the Utah Royals. Rest in peace to the Royals. Yeah, um, pour one as, out. Pour one yeah. out. Um, uh, she played there last year as a rookie and super, super dynamic player. One of those players who almost looks like they're dancing on the ball when they have it. Yeah. Um, and um, she's also been on the wing a little bit more where she can dribble at players and take them on one-on-one but is also someone who's really good in the air. So um, could be in that number nine spot as well. Yeah, I've seen her playing high on the left and I really like her pace. And also, like you said, she's very like creative with the ball. Yeah. Uh, I actually would love to see her kind of cut inside a little bit more, but we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Same. Um, I'm fascinated that we're this far into the conversation about the rain. We're like 15 minutes in and we've not mentioned the name Fishlock, Cox, or Rapino. And so those are folks who have been with the rain like for a while now, I, I'm just wondering what are you expecting from? I, actually, let's do this. I want to put Pino in a box for the for the for later on in the show because I have a bunch of questions actually for you about that. Uh, let's talk about Fishlock and Cox for a moment. Uh, what are you expecting from them this year? Um, well, Fishlock, for people who don't know, she tore her ACL in 2019, kind of in the middle mm-hmm. of the season, and um, was really close to being ready to go in um, the summer of 2020. And then the Challenge Cup ended. And for a player who's recovering from an ACL injury, they need minutes. They just, like, they need game time. And if she were to go from that 2020 um, summer, they had four games in the fall. Um, she just wouldn't have been ready to go this year. Um, she needed more minutes. So she went to England on loan and played with Reading for their season. And, man, I, I feel like... You know, we she just got back with the team, and she she was back 
you know, three or four days ago. So she got limited minutes against Portland. Um, and she just looks like 20, a 20 something player right now. She's um, moving around super well with Redding. She was both a creator and like such a contributor on the defensive side. So I think we're going to see a lot from Fishlock this year. She's got a ton to give to this team. And when she came in against the Thorns, suddenly this was like a team with grit. And suddenly this is a team that was like hungry and fighting. And we just didn't see that at the beginning of the game. So that's what Fishlock's bearing. She's not going to go down easily. Um, and that's, I think, much needed on this team. Um, Steph Cox, um, I think, is still fighting for a starting left back role. Um, it, Kristen McNabb has really taken that for these first two games. But with a player like Cox, like just incredible on the ball, like so calm. Her crosses are perfect. And um, I think that this is kind of that mix of like giving younger players some time in this challenge cup to see um, who's gelling together. Are they understanding the tactics? But I think you're still just going to, you're going to see Steph Cox jump in there um, in that left back position pretty seamlessly here and there. Whether she starts consistently, I think it's still a question. So the last time, was it last time? Anyway, one of the times I was back in the States, uh, they announced the partnership and the purchase of what was Rain FC by uh, by OL, the, the Lyon football group. And so now we have this team called OL Rain. And one of the things that I think a lot of folks were excited about was like a partnership in a pipeline where like promising players from Tacoma might go to France and play and players from France who wanted like a new a new adventure might come to the States and play. And Twitter blew up a couple days ago with a couple of signings. Uh, I follow the game, but I don't follow the game the way that you follow the game. So help me understand why these two signings are a big deal for the team. Yeah, um, the two signings uh, both come from Lyon, like you said. Um, Jennifer Marzan is a um, German kind of creative attacking midfielder. Um, and I was trying to think of like on the men's side, is there a comparison? And I was like thinking Kevin De Bruyne or like Mueller. Like I, this is like, I don't think people really understand that this is, she's like one of the best midfielders in the world. And um, I think Jess Fishlock who got to play with her on Blown and Leon described her really well. Like she's a player that can do everything really, really well. And she can be super creative and she can um, like nutmeg you at any moment, but she's a player who chooses to do the right thing to help her, help our team win. So that can look really simple sometimes. Um, so she's going to be a game changer in the midfield. The reason why she wanted to come to the States is really because um, Leon came a, over a few years ago for just a friendly game and tournament and they got to play the North Carolina Courage. And suddenly they were just like, I'm so sick of the courage, by the way. I'm so sick <laughs> I know. of um, Suddenly, like every time they got the ball, they were under pressure. That's the courage's um, defensive approach is like nonstop attack and pressure on the ball. And the, Leon like kind of didn't know what to do. And Maro is her, what people call her um, as her nickname. She was like, I need to, if I want to keep improving as a player, I need to get into an environment where that's happening all the time. And that's what the NWSL provides. So I'm really excited to see what she can do. And then Sarah Buhati has been um, rated as one of the best goalkeepers in the world as well. Um, gotten a lot of experience with France and Lyon. Um, she's, 
an entertaining goalkeeper. She's one of those like high risk, high reward goalkeepers. She's going to be heavily involved in the attack. She comes out, she plays sweeper keeper a lot. Um, And I think that's great. I mean, I think that's what um, Fareed Bensudi wants is build from the back, get the keeper involved, move the ball around. So you're going to see that, but you're also probably going to have some, she's kind of got her own Buhadid kind of nickname, like, oh, that, oh, she Buhadid that. So um, I'm excited to see her in the end of herself, um, but I think it's going to be um, entertaining. That's awesome. It's it's funny. I belong to a, so I think it's important that men who are soccer fans support women's soccer. And one of the things that's really hilarious to me is that I belong to a dude group chat who is kind of, it's like half sounders, half rain in the chat. And there's like, there's like a lot of hope that Wendy Renard makes a trip as well and oh. comes over, but apparently not this year. This not, not yet. No, I mean, um, it sounds like if, there's interest though. Yeah, I know. Not this year probably, but I think there's still on both sides quite a lot of interest. Yeah. I'm making all. my excited face. <laughs> uh, I, I want to take a break here. And when we come back, I want to talk about what's going on with Megan Rapino and the U.S. national team. And then I want to hear from you about players we should be keeping an eye out for. And then I also want to hear like what you think is the ideal 11 for the team and then a little bit of depth at each position as well. So we'll be back. Hey, Farm Fam. It's no secret I've been podcasting from Abu Dhabi these past two years. But what I haven't talked much about is how I found this school and ended up teaching abroad. During the hellscape of the last four years, Hope and I decided that we needed a change. And we turned to Search Associates to make it happen. Search Associates worked with 800 schools in 125 countries, so we had many choices of where to go. They assigned an associate to work with us directly to learn more about our backgrounds, our interests, and find a position that would be the perfect fit. Hope and I both wanted to teach at the same school, which you'd think would make search harder. But working with Search Associates, you'd never know it. Their personal touch approach made it a breeze. Another great thing is that the associate who's assigned to help you is a former school leader. Most often, a former head of an international school. So they really get the international school scene. I can't recommend them enough. Now, here's the thing. The political situation might have changed at home, but the benefits of teaching abroad are still clear. A great job combined with a rich cultural experience that comes from experiencing another culture. Listen, don't take my word for it. More than 40,000 highly qualified teachers, administrators, counselors, librarians, and interns, and other educators have used Search Associates to find positions in top K-12 international schools. So don't wait another day to pursue your dream of teaching abroad. With Search Associates, you'll take that journey step-by-step, from filling out the applications to selling your new school with confidence. Visit searchassociates.com to start your journey. Thank you to Search Associates for helping us live our dreams and teach abroad. And thank you for your support of this podcast. And we are back. Thank you for downloading the show today. The Nerd Farmer Podcast is a production of Channel 253. We are a network of podcasts giving you stories, talking about topics, and bringing up conversations that you will not get elsewhere. Uh, if you enjoy the show and want to help sustain the work of Channel 253, I'm going to encourage you to become a member. Being a member costs $4 a month or $40 a year. In addition, if like money's tight for you or you're already a member and you want to help the show, something you can do that is really helpful is write a review for the show. Your reviews, particularly on uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever the F it is right now, uh, your reviews help people find the show because algorithmic recommendations are a real thing. And so two ways you can help the show. One, join with membership and two, write a review. If you join with the membership, you get access to our member-only Slack and our member-only Slack has a soccer channel. And so if you're intrigued by this conversation, then you can join and the soccer channel is jumping actually right now talking about the rain result last night. All right. So Susie, back to you. Uh, I 
have questions about Megan Rapino and U.S. soccer and how things are being managed for her. So when we had Megan on the show, I remember the one time where she gave me a look like, what are you talking about, fool? Was when I mentioned that 2019 might be her last World Cup. And in my head, I was thinking about Megan Rapinoe's age and yada, 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 yada. But like Pino is still going strong and like has a place with the women's national team and is definitely, if the Tokyo Olympics happen, going and like going as a contributing player. She's the most famous women's soccer player on the planet, certainly like the talisman for the national team. Her national team status leaves me a bit confused. And so, again, you're more informed than I am. Uh, what do you see her status being going to Tokyo? And then what is going on with her playing time being limited by U.S. soccer and this jersey snafu as well? Because the new rain kits are dope. And if I don't get one with Kaepernick on it, I want with Rapino on it, but I can't get one right now. Um, yeah, I'll start with the question. And I might just take a step back for people who aren't as familiar. Um, there's still um, a number of players who play for the U.S. national team who are what are called allocated players which means the U.S. national team pays their salary and allocates them to an NWSL squad. Um, and Megan Rapinoe is one of those players. And which often sort of means that she is controlled by U.S. soccer versus her club team, if you're going to like be a little bit more provocative with that statement. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's sort of where there's been a lot of tension um, with fans and the, and and coaches too. Um, Megan Rapinoe, as you just mentioned, was limited to 30 minutes in yesterday's game against the Thorns, and that was dictated by U.S. soccer. And I think that the reason is she didn't play at all, really. She played a few games at the start of 2020 and then set it out. And she's been slowly coming back and has had a few games with the national team so far this year. And they just don't want to risk an injury. Um and but it's probably quite frustrating to people to say, how can U.S. soccer tell a club team how many minutes one of their players can can play? This actually happened last year with Rose Lavelle with the Washington Spirit as well during the Challenge Cup, where they were fighting to advance to the next round and they had to pull Rose Lavelle because she was limited to 60 minutes by U.S. soccer. Um, so it's kind of an ongoing thing that's quite frustrating. It's not new. There is a slight change um, this year that's kind of interesting for fans, which is that players can choose not to get allocated, which means the club will pay their salary directly. And that actually happened with Crystal Dunn and Lindsay Horan in Portland. So they're no longer allocated. Oh, dang it. I know. So I was going to ask that question. I was like, it seems to put Seattle... Oh, no. It seems to put Tacoma, there we go, at a competitive disadvantage if you have Megan Rapinoe only being permitted to play 30 minutes in a match. But then Crystal Dunn and Lindsay Horan are running up and down the field for a full 90. But I didn't know about that non-allocated status. That makes sense. And I mean, on top of that, though, every other national team player, yes, that played yesterday, there were two other games, got to play mm -hmm. like their full minutes. So it's really just a limiting Megan Rapinoe's time right now. Man, so it's funny because like we praised Vlatko at the beginning and now I want to kick his ass. <laughs> um, there's a similar thing happening with the national team and the rights to the jersey. Can you explain that to me, please? Yeah, this seems like something, this is actually something that we, we found out was um, different last year. 
as well. We just weren't really aware because Rapino didn't report. And I think people weren't as paying attention as much. Um, but because these players are allocated by U.S. soccer, um, essentially you have to have two rights to use the player on the back of your jersey, NWSL rights and U.S. soccer rights. And that comes from, I think, the Players Association. And what I think is the case is kind of a good thing, but um, not good right now for the rain, which is that um, historically the players on the national team really weren't getting the benefit of people buying their jerseys. So um, uh, they weren't getting that money directly. So they wanted to negotiate and have that power. Um, from what I hear, so Rapino, they haven't been able to negotiate the rights on the U.S. women's national team side to use Rapino's name on the back of a rain jersey right now. What I've been told is that's going to be resolved. So fans, if they want a Rapino jersey, should really just, I think, email um, whatever contact information is in the shop and they'll let you know a little bit more detail. So I think it's still a possibility. All right. Dancing away from the business end kind of to the on the field end of things. So given the fact that the oh, – and this is an area in which women's soccer is different than men's soccer. Like in men's soccer, the Olympics aren't a big deal and the men never qualify. Well, the U.S. men never qualify. Uh, on the women's side, uh, women's soccer is a big deal and the women always qualify. So given this is an Olympics year, what are you expecting Rapino's contribution to be to the team this season? Yeah, I think before I saw her um, play a few national team games – at the start of this year, my answer might've been a little bit different, but mm. she's still a, a, like a key contributor and a key creator no, for the national team. And so I'm not sure if she's going to start as many games as maybe she did in the world cup, but she's going to be a key creator and attacker on the team. And I don't see how you could leave her off, even though it's a smaller roster for the Olympic, it's only 18 players. I just don't mm. see how Rapino can get left off. And um, she's their leading scorer already this year. And, um, I, again, I think her minutes will still not be as significant just because she is still coming back from not playing a year. She is older. Um, but, uh, you're going to see Megan Rapino make an impact, I think. So if I hear, so when I hear you talk about the impact she's likely to have with the national team, that makes me think about the amount of impact she has left to have with Tacoma. So if I'm a rain fan, if I'm an oil rain fan, should I not plan on seeing her play a lot of minutes? Is this going to be a thing where is that, is that she's limited to 30 minutes going to be an ongoing thing or is this going to, she be spot start? Cause here's the thing is like talent wise, she should start every match for this team. Right. But with these national team machinations, like what are we looking for? I think that heading up to the Olympics, we're actually going to see more and more and more of Rapino. Um, okay, this is good I, news. Yeah, I for from her perspective, like she needs those minutes. Um, she needs to work herself up to ninety minutes for a game. I think both of the more recent national team games, she only went sixty minutes. Um, so, it, yeah, I mean, if I'm U.S. Soccer, I understand why they may be limiting her more right now. There's just like, it's the challenge cup and there's maybe not a need to risk her quite as much, but you get into the regular season, you're building toward the summer and the Olympics Rapino needs to be playing. Um, so I'm, that's what excites me for, from a rain perspective. Okay. Uh, 
earlier on, you mentioned Rose Lavelle. And so Rose Lavelle is probably probably one of the most dynamic attacking players in the U.S. team pool. And she's currently signed to Manchester City and like not starting many, many games. Um, O.L. Reign own her rights. What are you hearing? Um, I wish I could tell you I was hearing something more definitively. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't checked in with the rain um, specifically about Revel, about Lavelle recently. Um, they were really taking a more hands-off repro- approach when she started with Manchester City. They said, we know she wanted to give this a shot. We're not going to like pressure her, but she knows that we're here if she's interested. So I haven't heard anything definitively. Certainly, I mean, if I were her, um, I might be wanting to play more. Like you said, I mean, Manchester City is quite loaded in the midfield, but um, she hasn't been getting the kind of minutes I would want if I were her. She's been playing on the wing instead of the midfield often too. Yeah, out of position too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so um, I haven't, yeah, again, haven't heard anything definitively. It would be a dream to see her come back and join the rain after the Olympics, but um, nothing firm yet. And so yeah, that is the other part I was going to say is that so we see with MLS that oftentimes players will stay in like the European League where they are through the World Cup. And then like after the World Cup, there's a migration of players who, uh, frankly, are past their prime to MLS. And so my, my wonder was going to be, is a possible scenario that we see Rose Lavelle stay with City through the end of their season, stay with City through the Olympics, and then post-Olympics maybe come back to the States? That would be, um, I think that's really what, Bill Predmore, the OL Reign CEO, was like envisioning if she joined this year was that it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't happen before that time. Her contract was set up with Man City in a way where it's only a one-year contract and both sides would then have to agree to extend it another year. Um, That's new to me too. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So um, there's, that's like a very strong possibility after May. um, We might hear a little bit more. Okay. All right. Uh, I want to just talk through the Susie Rance ideal 11 for the rain. And so we can start kind of visualizing what this team looks like at its best. So given like who's available, let's just talk through the lines. Who is, in your opinion, the number one keeper? I think Karen Bardsley only because I haven't seen the the three. Um, one isn't coming again until June, actually. So the other two goalkeepers, I really haven't seen them. Um, so Karen Bardsley right now. And then just moving to the and assuming again that we're playing the four two three one that 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 we seem to be uh, like wedded to right now or, or, or enjoying, frankly, uh, talk me through the back line and what is the ideal pairing in your eyes at center back in particular. Um, I I think a healthy Lauren Barnes, and we just learned yesterday that she came into preseason being injured. Um, she's since recovered, but is working her way back up to full strength. So, um, I was absolutely shocked that she wasn't starting the first two matches and that explains it a little bit more. Uh, mm-hmm. but so Lauren Barnes has to be starting for me at center back. Um, it seems as though Amber Brooks has, um, right now the, the number two alongside her, although, I honestly, and I don't know if this will ever happen, but I, I still feel like Krista McNabb um, is better as a center back than she is as a left back. And that's where she's playing right now. Um, so for me personally, I would be Barnes and McNabb in, this, in the um, two center back positions. 
Um, and when it comes to outside backs, Celia as a right back is guaranteed starter for me. And then I actually like Madison Hammond um, a ton. She's been playing at center back, but I actually would love to see her at left back. Okay, that's interesting because one of the listener questions actually was from uh, council member Derek Young. He wanted to ask about Hammond at center back as a pairing, but that makes sense. If if you want her on the field and you have your pairing at center back, moving her to left back makes sense. Although then she's competing with Cox for that slot. Yes. Yeah. Um, I This is the, the back line is still really tough for me. Um, both her and Barnes are more left footed and Barnes just mm-hmm. does not play right center back. I haven't really seen her there at all. So, um, you know, if you're starting Barnes at um, center back, that means Hammond might not start unless she plays left back. Um, so I still want to see more minutes from from Madison Hammond. So that's why I think I want her to start first. I would have 0% concerns of that stuff, Cox, too. Okay. Uh, how about those two deep-lying midfielders? Yeah. Um, I For me, it's I would pair Quinn and Allie Long next to each other. And um, so they, I think they both bring something really different. Um, Allie Long is um, someone who just keeps the ball and has a ton of like, she, she's going to help the rank keep possession. And that was something they were totally missing against the thorns this week. Um, under pressure, they just could not hold on to the ball and move it around. She's going to play simple passes. She's going to drop the ball a lot, but she's going to keep possession and help like slow down or speed up the game based on what's needed. Quinn, on the other hand, there's, they're really great at spreading the field, long balls, um, and so having those two next to each other to play off each other, I think would be really, um, interesting and cool to see. I was really impressed watching Quinn later on in the match last evening. Uh, they were all over the field in possession and were doing a great job distributing the ball to the, like to the advancing line. And, uh, Quinn was getting a lot of good passes to Fishlock and basically like on the play where the rain looked the most dangerous. Uh, th- they were occupying space, drew a defender, which opened a lane for Fishlock, where Fishlock got the ball to Pino, and we just didn't cash it in. Okay, uh, let's move up to the next line. So in the attacking band, what are your thoughts? Um, I would love to see Fishlock in more of an advanced role in the middle. Um, that does mm-hmm. mean, this is the hard thing about the rain this year, is they have a lot of depth and a mm-hmm. lot of good players. And I just like kicked Shirley Cruz out of the starting lineup by putting Fishlock <laughs> in there. So, yeah. um, but I would love to see her in a more advanced role. She played a little bit of that under Vlatko and I thought it was really interesting um, because she is a disruptor and she is um, really creative, creative. So I'm interested in seeing that. I don't know if it'll happen, but um, I'd definitely be game for it um, on the wings. Uh, I think that Sofia Huerta is probably still, for me, solidified a starting spot on the wings. Um, and again, this is where depth comes in is really hard, but I want to see Nicole Momiki start a uh, Japanese mm-hmm. international player. She only had like a hundred minutes with the rain last year. So we just didn't get to see what she could do, but um, super creative and um, really good on um, like some really solid crosses that I'd love to see um, just a little bit more integration of. And then, I think you have to start Bethany Balser in the number nine. Uh, but that leaves so many players out. And so I think the the huge challenge for the rain is they have so much depth, uh, but they need like a core that's really working the best together. 
Um, and they need, I'm hoping they figure that out, you know, heading into the regular season. Something I'm curious about Fishlock is Fishlock a eight that can play as a 10 or is she a 10 that plays as an eight? I think she's an eight that can play as a 10. Um, so yeah, no matter where you plug her in, she's going to, um, do her part, but, um, I, I imagine she'll start more as an eight than she is going to start as a 10. Though that means like if Quinn and Allie long, they, they're not going to start together. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, it's just a really interesting challenge in the midfield. Do you think that that first 11 plus the depth you described is good enough to make a run in the playoffs this year? Man. And I didn't even mention when Morrow comes in the, in mm -hmm. June. So um, so yes. And I, and the rain kind of keep hinting that there's more signings still to come, maybe one or two more. So, um, yes, I think this team has enough depth and talent to make a run in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, I so much of sports is about personality. Like I think about the fandom with Sounders fans around Jordan Morris and Christian Roldan. And I, I think that there's a lot of personalities to fall in love with in, in the rain locker room. Uh, who are some players that people should keep an eye on for like, if, if, if I'm new to the game, like it's my first time sitting at Cheney and I'm sitting there, if I'm looking and if I want to see somebody who's like really creative on the field, who should I keep an eye on? Um, Ziara King, I think we talked yeah. about. Um, just one of those players um, who lets their personality shine on the field. And she actually has talked about like, she feels like she's just a completely different person when she steps onto a stalker field. So um I just one of those players you can't take your eye off when they're when they're on the ball. Um, I think Angelina, the Brazilian I mentioned, is um, someone who's really fun to watch. Too, she did not get to shine at all against Portland, so don't let that match guide you in any way whatsoever. <laughs> um, and I, I, you, I know this is a little bit of a non-answer answer, but I think Bethany Balser, um, both on and off the field is a player that I think everyone should pay a, a good amount of attention to just one of those. She's like super goofy and open person off the field, but it's also talked a lot about mental health and hmm. in particular last year, just, you know, um, I just, I think it's so healthy for players to talk about the impacts of the mental health side of the game. And she's just super transparent about it. She, for people who didn't watch last year, she had to come off of the game in the challenge cup because she was having a panic attack and she, she talked about it and was open about it. And I just think that's so healthy and on the field is one of those players who just doesn't play like anyone else. Um, you don't really, um, she's a little unpredictable. Um, and, just creative and and a lot of that comes from her playing in the NAIA in college being really unknown just letting her just like enjoy the game of soccer um so I really like watching her for that reason all right and then last thing I'll ask you for is give us a breakout player who at the end of the year so somebody like we, we don't know a ton about right now and at the end of the year we're gonna be like dang she had a great season I actually think it's Celia who um the rain drafted in 2018, but she stayed in college to get a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering. She's like a literal rocket scientist. 
Um, and I think is even getting her master's degree right now while being a professional soccer player. Um, but she in 2019 was behind, um, another player in the depth charts. We just didn't get to see her much. She went and represented Spain in the world cup, um, didn't get to play a lot. So we also didn't really get to see her there. And then 2020 hit and she came into the challenge cup a little bit injured. So we didn't get to see her at our best. Um, and like I said earlier, went to Leon on loan and just looks so different coming, coming into the team. So it's maybe not a breakout in the fact that we we've seen her in the last few years, but I think she's just going to be a much more complete um, and consistent player this year. Awesome. Uh, Susie, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Like I said at the beginning, you are the dean of women's soccer in the region, and I think so highly of your work. Uh, if people want to see your writing online, like plug away, plug your podcast, plug your blog. I'm going to sit back. You can pontificate about politics if you want to for a moment. It's, it's your show for oh, a moment. Gosh. Just go ahead. Nobody needs to hear me talk about that. Um, uh, you can find all of my work and any of the work of um, the other writers cover the rain at sounderart.com. Um, and you can find our podcast there as well, or follow us at, um, we have sort of a sub blog name for, um, the rain coverage, which is ride of the Valkyries. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at R O Valks. Um, and, um, I'm also on Twitter talking about dogs and soccer and politics. Um, and you can find me, uh, at Susie Rance, which is S U S I E R A N T S. Susie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been so fun. Wakanda forever, y'all. Wear a mask, get a damn vaccine, wash your hands, and prosecute the police that killed Manuelis. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Wakanda forever, y'all. Wow, I'm taking strike three. Third take. I got this. I got this. I believe in myself. And you're making this the blooper. I fucking hate you for that. I see you doing it, making this the blooper. <laughs> Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 Podcast Network. Check out our other shows. Interchangeable White Ladies. Give me the mic. We Art Tacoma. Move to Tacoma. Taco Man. Flounder's B Team. Crossing Division. Citizen Tacoma. And What Say You? This is Channel 253.